and it's a different type of enjoyment in general to vicariously experience things through your children. And I'm definitely indulging more in that now as I'm getting older, as they're getting older, and then juxtaposed with my parents getting older and dealing with illnesses. And I feel like experiences like that kind of help put things in perspective and just frame life as the awesome ride that it truly is and helps me appreciate and cherish it that much more. What up, what up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the only podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. This is episode 234 of the podcast, and I have a dope show for you fine folks today. I am freshly back from vacation, feeling good, feeling refreshed, disconnected for a while, got away with the fam, and am definitely glad to be back. We went to South Carolina, North Myrtle Beach, to be exact. It's this great resort that me and my wife stumbled upon. I've spoken about it in the past here on the podcast, but my wife and I stumbled upon a few years back and just absolutely fell in love with it. And we've been going back ever since. This is our like fifth or sixth time back. And this year was extra enjoyable because my kids are a little bit older now, about four-year-old going on five and a two-year-old. So they like get it more. You know that it's a vacation, like special type of thing that doesn't happen every day. And my four-year-old that, again, is going on five in particular, he's able to do more things. Like, for example, we went to a nearby arcade that has like a little amusement park in front of it for kids. And it was his first time in an arcade and he's like running around, playing a bunch of games, won a couple of things. And those like machines, you know, with the claw that grab little plastic toys or whatever he was able to get on a couple rides for the first time which was cool to see like a little airplane ride that swirls around and goes up and down one of those little kitty rides and the dopest thing was uh, we were able to do go-kart racing and it was like a dual go-kart where you know i'm, I'm sitting there and, and actually driving but he's sitting in a seat next to me and has his own steering wheel and he fucking loved it and the cherry on top is that it's like an off kind of week. You know, it's not like spring break or anything like that. I think it was actually bike week, but in the area where we stay, it's more like family friendly type of resort. So this little kid amusement park place we have literally completely to ourselves. There was not one other person there. So much so that we parked in the parking lot. Parking lot's completely empty. And when we're parking, I was like, fuck it. And I think it's closed, man. Uh, I don't think we're going to be able to go. But let, let's just go see what it looks like. And then we walk in towards it and we see like all the staff just sitting lounging around it's like oh shit it's open (laughs) but yeah good times and it's a different type of enjoyment in general to vicariously experience things through your children and i'm definitely indulging more in that now as i'm getting older as they're getting older and then juxtaposed with my parents getting older and dealing with illnesses and I feel like experiences like that kind of help put things in perspective and just frame life as the awesome ride that it truly is and helps me appreciate and cherish it that much more. But I digress. As I was saying, I have a dope show for you guys today. Going to speak about 
the Judy Bloom Forever documentary, which was such an engaging watch. Going to speak about watching the movie Air, and also going to add another addition to our goats doing goat shit segment. Slight spoiler alert: it's someone that has been mentioned on the list before for a different reason, and is making yet another appearance. I think this is going to be the second or third, but we'll tell you more about that once we get into the episode. So stick around for all that good stuff. But first, here is a quick way that you can help support this podcast if you so choose. Your support means a ton. It really, really does. It's much appreciated. It helps me keep the lights on and also motivates me to continue cranking out these episodes. And at the end of the show, I'm going to tell you guys about a bunch of different ways you can help support, whether it be by buying merch, shopping on Amazon, using my affiliate link, checking out the support page on my website, sponsor.com forward slash support for a bunch of other affiliate links, of course, purchasing my books, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So definitely stick around for those options all the way at the end of the episode. But here is just one of the ways that you can help support. And then we'll jump right into the episode. Do you want to start your own podcast? Have a great show idea that you want to get out into the masses, but don't know quite how to get it from your head out into the world? Well, here's how. Use the podcast host, Libsyn. That's who I use to bring the Spun Today podcast to you. And now you can use them the same way. Using the promo code SPUN, S-P-U-N, you can open up your Libsyn account today and get two months of free podcast hosting. Here's how it works. Once you record your show, you upload it to your Libsyn account, where you can fill in your episode notes, upload your podcast art, and schedule when you want your episodes to release. Once you do that, Libsyn will take care of the rest. They'll distribute your show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and all the other podcatchers that you choose, instantaneously and seamlessly. Again, go to Libsyn.com and use the promo code SPUN, S-P-U-N, to get two months free. Or use the affiliate link that's in the episode notes. Again, that's Libsyn.com, promo code SPUN. Take that great podcast idea from out of your head and put it out into the world. Judy Bloom Forever is a documentary about the prolific writer Judy Bloom. Here's a bit about Judy's background for those who may not know, a lot of which I didn't know. I always knew the name Judy Bloom, knew that she was a writer. She wrote like young adult fiction primarily, but I personally didn't know too much more than that. First off, she was born in 1938. She is 85 years old and sharp as a fucking tack, which hopefully writing has something to do with that level of longevity and health so that I have something to look forward to. But... She's an American writer of mainly children's and young adult fiction. She began writing in 1959 and published more than 25 novels. She has sold over 82 million copies worldwide, and they have been translated into 32 languages. Round of a fucking applause for Judy Bloom, the prolific Judy Bloom. Amongst her most notable works are Tiger Eyes, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, which now, by the way, 50 years later is being made into a feature film. She finally uh, licensed it, although she, you know, she's been approached, obviously, for decades, but it just hasn't come to fruition because, uh, according to her, they just uh, the ideas for the film and the filmmakers that have approached her just didn't do her novel justice. 
but finally she found the right situation to move that project forward and that as you all know is definitely uh i would imagine a dream come true for her but definitely for me it would be uh, a dream come true to see a written work of mine on the big screen or even the little screen but i digress also tales from a fourth grade nothing is another notable work of hers dini as well and blubber here is the official synopsis of the documentary which by the way is available on amazon prime for you, you all to check out if you're interested judy bloom and the generations of readers who have sparked to her work the documentary will examine her impact on pop culture and the occasional controversies over her frankness about puberty and sex and a large part of the fanfare and attraction if you will to her her work is the fact that she wrote about some taboo topics taboo at, at the time and probably even now within certain circles but things like sex and going through puberty and like girls getting their period for the first time and beginning to develop and boys and girls having crushes and what relationships are at a young age and what they mean and what they could mean and she gave color and context and answers to a generation of kids that in the 1970s and beyond because her books are still very popular to these questions that kids have as they're going through these like changes in their development and in their lives and in doing so she was definitely the which was a very interesting part about this documentary she was it highlighted to me how the more things change the more things stay the same there was a big push to ban her books and to censor her especially during the reagan administration which was very similar to certain voices that we hear now about banning certain books and teachings etc and i had never known about like that part of like judy bloom's writing history and regardless of where on where you fall on on that spectrum of should books be banned or not should certain topics be banned or not should at what age are certain topics age appropriate etc cetera, etc cetera, it's interesting to me to see that same type of mentality and argument on both sides recurring decades later and again just reinforces the whole the more things change the more they stay the same but what i really enjoyed of the documentary aside from just like learning more about judy bloom and and how prolific she is as a writer is what if you guys know me you know what i like yep you guessed it the behind the scenes coming of age how the sausage got made story within the story <laughs> so she was a housewife after getting married to her first husband actually let me take a step back she was born and raised in elizabeth new jersey and her father was like a gregarious type of character in her life and always pushed her to like dream and strive and be adventurous and try different things she was super super close with with her dad eventually she grows up she's engaged to be married wedding day is set and she tells a story about how her brother came back from the navy i believe it was he was in the armed forces at the navy or coast guard and they were all together and the father was like you know super happy and and saying you know what a gr great time it is for our family all of us together again judy's about to get married my son is home safe etc and then he has a heart attack right there starts to have a heart attack and he says something to the effect of fuck what horrible timing and he died and she said how her father's family like they all died like very young like in their 50s 50s 60s i think 50s 
And then she went on to get married. She had a couple children, a boy and a girl, and she was a housewife. And she loved the aspects of, you know, being with the kids and raising the kids. And the kids are in the documentary, too, and describe her as being like very childlike and always playing with them and stuff like that. And this is when she began writing because she wanted something to do. Her husband was very like old school, traditional. He was kind of like, I don't give a shit what you do. As long as the you know food is on the table when I get home, you know, if you want to write, as long as the food is on the table when I get home and the kids are taken care of, do whatever you want in terms of like your quote unquote little writing, writing thing or whatever. And so she did. And she did that for many years. She wrote for a long time. She would submit her writing to like book publishers her agents and she would get rejections and she described getting her first rejection and then the subsequent rejections after that and the first one she said she you know she wanted to like lock herself in the closet and start crying and then after that she was kind of like no fuck this i do have something to say i do have something to share i'll show them like that type of attitude and took like each subsequent rejection in stride with using that mentality. Then her husband actually knew someone in the industry. He, he was a lawyer, I believe. And he knew someone in the industry and gave them her manuscript. And they agreed to publish it for, I believe she said something to the effect of like 250 to $350. And she said she was like, just like over the moon fucking, I made it excited, fulfilled a feeling that she said she never had again even given all her obviously much more success thereafter and then from there she just kept at it and ballooned up to the aforementioned 82 million copies of her books sold worldwide something interesting that that i actually took away from the documentary as well is she put her address out for kids and people that read her books to write to her and she had a ton of pen pals and these kids would just write her, you know, letter after letter after letter. I think they said something to the effect of thousands and thousands and thousands of her letters have been archived. And she went through some of them like during the documentary. But kids would write her about their problems, about their concerns, about things that they couldn't speak to their parents to or about rather. And thanking her for explaining things in her books. And she would write back to, to some of them. And some of those kids some of which were dealing with like thoughts of suicide and and mind you this is back in the 70s 80s so people in general let alone kids had less outlets for expression right but she had these pen pal types of, of relationships and this one girl in particular you know they wrote back and forth for years and she actually invited judy and her husband at the time which was her third and last husband by the way well let me not say last because like i said she is a very sharp 85 year old she might want to switch things up <laughs> but this girl invited her and her husband to her college graduation and she actually went and they showed like pictures of them at the graduation and the girl was like that all all the her classmates and stuff like that were like what the hell is judy bloom doing here does she have a daughter that goes here or something so that was definitely a, a pretty dope thing uh for her to do and I couldn't help but wonder if we fast forwarded the timeline and Judy was writing now the, these books and, and certain uh, topics that she wrote then and having this like pen pal type of relationship with, with with kids, how much more of a controversy would it have been or be? And also flip it if it was a male writer as opposed to a female writer and having 
this like pen pal interaction with kids and speaking about certain sexualized topics. And I think my mind went there just based on all the recent controversies with the, you know, call for banning of books and folks claiming that kids are being sexualized too early. And when is a good age to introduce topics of quote unquote sex ed and, and stuff like this. And I think in that scenario it would be a huge controversy. But then flip it to what it actually is. Judy Bloom, a female writer, speaking about all these topics, pen pals with boys and girls. And you just have like all these wonderful, positive stories that came out of it and life experiences for all those folks. So I don't know, it's just interesting food for thought there. And now Judy Bloom is just chilling. She says she wrote her, the last book that she wrote was going to be her last, which I believe was in 2015, if I'm not mistaken. And she and her husband opened up a bookstore in Key West in Florida. And they showed in the, in the documentary how people are like always calling and they're like, is Judy there? And the staff is like, yeah, she's here. She's going to be here till around two. If you want to pop by and see her, people like go by to like take pictures with her and get books signed, etc., etc. She definitely seems to be enjoying it. And my biggest takeaway from the doc is that I wish I knew her. Like she just has this like type of engaging energy that you're like, fuck it. Like I want to know that person. I want to be within her orbit. I want to at least meet her once. And that's coming from someone that hasn't read any of her books yet. So I can imagine how much more that's exacerbated for the folks that have been reading her work for decades. She does have a masterclass. And after learning more about her, like through this documentary, I definitely bumped that masterclass up in my list to be the next one that I take. So there is that. And also worth mentioning, Charlemagne has a sit down interview with Judy Bloom. That's definitely worth watching as well. And I will link to that in the episode notes. And that, folks, is my little recap and review of Judy Bloom Forever. The documentary is available right now on Amazon. Check it out. Air. Now, I've been anticipating watching this movie since I first saw the trailer. I was instantly fascinated by and most interested with how they were going to make a good movie that revolves around Michael Jordan, spoiler alert, without him actually in it. And I knew just from the people involved in the movie, the all-star cast, which I'll get into in a bit, and being directed by Ben Affleck, that it had to be a good movie. So it wasn't even a question of, will they make it good or not? Like my default position was, this is going to be a good movie, but how the fuck are they gonna pull it off? And I am absolutely pleased to say that they definitely did in spades. But first, before we go any further, I wanna shout out the writer and give him his flowers because if we don't shout out the writers here on the Spun Today podcast, who will? The movie Air, which came out this year in 2023, was written by Alex Convery. Shout out to Alex for writing an incredible screenplay. Now, here's the official synopsis. The movie follows the history of shoe salesman Sonny Vaccaro and how he led Nike in its pursuits of the greatest athlete in the history of basketball, Michael Jordan. Some would argue, and by some I mean me, that the greatest athlete in the history of basketball is Kobe Bryant, but that's a conversation for another day. Let's get into this all-star cast, which with this cast, you can't fuck up a movie. You have Matt Damon playing the main protagonist, Sonny Vaccaro. You have Jason motherfucking Bateman. You have Ben Affleck 
Chris Messina, Viola Davis, who plays Dolores Jordan, Michael Jordan's mother, Julius Tennant, which plays James Jordan, Michael Jordan's father. You have Chris Tucker. You have Marlon Wayans. Jay Moore is in it, which, by the way, gained a bunch of weight. Not sure if it's for the film or not. And it's just like with all that absolute all-star cast, the movie can't be bad. And it's always dope to see when Ben Affleck and Matt Damon collab on something. And Ben Affleck plays, aside from directing the movie, he plays uh, one of the stars, which is Phil Knight, who is the creator and CEO of Nike. And in this time period, Nike was known as making running shoes and they were like number one in that space, but it wasn't the number one shoe company. The number one shoe company was Converse, definitely within the basketball space, and then Adidas. And they had just recently gone public, so they had a little bit more money to play with, but they had to do things within certain budgets. And their game plan for the past few years had been to stretch a a certain budget amongst three or four players within the NBA because Matt Damon's character, Sonny Vaccaro, felt that basketball was going to definitely be like the sport of the future or like blow up. And it's a space where where they can make a big stamp in. And they had a budget of specifically $250,000 to for the year to use on three to four athletes coming out of the draft and endorse them, essentially. The idea being this will help popularize the shoe, drive sales, et cetera, et cetera. Sonny Vaccaro sees something in Michael Jordan, who was poised to be the third pick in the draft in 1984. But he sees him as like by far going to be the player that changes the game, number one player in the world, etc. Like he believed in him from the jump. And although Jordan was obviously a good player in college, was going third in the draft, and they framed it as mainly because he hit a game winning shot in a championship uh, game for North Carolina in like 1982, 83. Jordan was famously known to have been cut from his high school basketball team and then just started like grinding and playing and worked his way into getting accepted into North Carolina and playing on on that team. So just from a historical perspective, there wasn't anything saying like this is going to be the GOAT. But Sonny Vaccaro just like saw something in him and pitched to Phil Knight, the CEO of the company, that instead of spreading the 250,000 amongst three or four players and like hoping for the best that one of them actually like pop off and are able to drive sales, that they give it all to Michael Jordan and try to compete with the big dogs in the industry, which is Converse and Adidas, which would definitely give that level of money to the top one, two or three draft picks. Long story short, it the plan, the idea gets approved, not without a bunch of friction. Then the next hurdle becomes How do they convince the Jordans, mainly the parents, as well as Michael, to take a meeting with Nike? Because again, they're very low in the totem pole within this space. And Adidas, as well as Converse, are already pitching him and offering him the same level of money. And that's their like starting point. Now, Chris Messina, his character, David Falk, plays Jordan's agent. So Matt Damon is trying to, with through him, trying to get a meet with them. He lets him know there's no shot. Jordan, you know, doesn't want to go with Nike. Matt Damon winds up going to Jordan's house directly and pitching the mother, played again by Viola Davis, and the father, played again by Julius Tennant. And he's able to appeal to their sensibilities and really deliver how passionately he feels that Jordan will change the game, so much so that they reluctantly accept to meet with them, or they accept rather to take the meeting with Nike, just to hear the pitch. And then the next hurdle becomes 
designing a dope, perfect shoe that Jordan was going to love. And to do this, they pull in their main designer, Peter Moore, played by Matthew Marr, who ultimately designs the Jordan ones. And as expected, the other companies, I think it was uh, either Adidas or, or Converse, winds up offering the same amount of money, also offers him a brand new Mercedes as a sweetener. But Jordan's mother decides to go with the Nike on one condition, which is that aside from the 250000 licensing deal, which is like the only thing that athletes get at that time, as well as the brand new car, she negotiates for her son to get a percentage of every single Jordan sneaker in perpetuity, which is completely unprecedented and not done at that time. And they didn't specify what the percentage was, but again, it was a percentage and in perpetuity of every shoe sale that for every shoe that his name is on. Nike agreed to it. And at that time, I believe they said that the most they've sold of any shoe was like 3 million shoes or something to that effect of any like one sneaker. And I think in its first year, the Jordan 1s sold like 146 million pairs or some shit like that. (laughs) And now fast forward, Jordan is one of the most, if not the most popular brand of sneaker. Nike is definitely the number one company off the strength of that. Michael Jordan, because of that revenue share equity stake in, in Jordan, is a billionaire and made tons more money off the Jordan brand than he ever made from the NBA and is a billionaire with a B because of this. So definitely shout out to Dolores Jordan. If it was really her that made that keen business decision there, but shout out to her and or to whomever else advised on pushing for that deal, that life changing, generation changing, generations changing deal. And the last thing I'll say, which I thought was a a pretty funny anecdote, I have no idea if it's true or not, is that apparently the phrase, or the slogan rather, just do it, came from the last words of a victim in an electric chair. It was a criminal uh, that was sentenced to death. And they said in the movie, which again, I don't know if it's true or not. If it is, it's funny as hell. But I just thought it was an interesting anecdote, even if it is fake, that... You know, when they they tell the prisoner, do you have any last words? Apparently that prisoner's last words were just do it. And that's where Nike got the slogan from. (laughs) But yeah, the movie Air, definitely, definitely worth a watch. You guys can definitely check it out on Amazon. Goats doing goat shit. This is a segment where I like to highlight goats within their respective rights, doing dope things because they can. And by goat shit, I mean something dope, something cool, something right and just that they do, even if it costs them financially or otherwise. And making a reoccurring impact on this list is Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan recently opened up his much anticipated comedy club in Austin, Texas, called the Comedy Mothership. It consists of two main rooms called Fat Man and Little Boy, And it's named that after the two atomic bombs that were dropped by the U.S. during World War II on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. But he named it after those bombs because folklore has it that, I don't know if folklore is the right term, but it has been said that UFO sightings spiked after the dropping of those two bombs. That's when folks started at least publicly stating 
being abducted and just like sighting UFOs. And the comedy club has this like UFO alien type motif, hence the name comedy mothership. I forget the exact count of the seats, but one room holds about 200 to 250 people. And the other is a smaller room that holds uh, 100 to 150. It also contains a bar uh, where the comics uh, get to hang out, I believe, like that private bar that they get in some clubs. And it's named after Mitzi Shore, RIP, which was the owner of the comedy store in Los Angeles. It's called Mitzi's Bar. Another dope homage is a neon sign before the comics go on stage that says, get it together, bitch, which is an homage to Joey Diaz, who would always say that to comics as they were going on stage to like shake off the nerves. Now, as some of you may know, Joe moved to Austin, Texas during the pandemic about three or four years ago. And during this time, there was a prominent comedy club that closed down in Austin, Texas. And it wasn't really a huge comedy scene or comedy hub, but that all definitely changed once Rogan moved to town and a half dozen or more top tier headliner comics followed suit. And Joe, as we know, has fuck you money from his Spotify deal. And as he has famously said, what's the point in having fuck you money if you don't do fuck you things? So he decided to open up his own comedy club with the added benefit of having a place where he can do his workout sets close by. But what's most interesting is the, and this is where the goat doing goat shit element kicks in, is the financial goal of just having the club break even so that all the funds, all the revenues, all the intention can go towards just elevating comedy and he's been able to do this so far in several ways one the first deal that he was negotiating for a comedy club fell through uh something to do with the, like the land and some like runoff water sewer type issues but because that deal was like ongoing for a while he had already hired a bunch of the folks like the uh, adam egid who was the manager at the comedy store and a bunch of the staff from the comedy store and others he had already hired them and moved them to austin so since that comedy club fell through, it took about uh, a year, year plus to get uh, the other place, which he bought a historical theater called the Ritz Theater in Austin, Texas, that had been around since, I believe, 1925 or 29, something like that. He kept all those folks on salary and paid, even though obviously the comedy club wasn't open. But since it wasn't their fault or their issue, he used that fuck you money and did right by them. And then he designed the club with comics in mind he had input from folks like louis ck for example when it was like close to the end of construction and you know throughout the, the entire time of construction he would show it to comics like the shane gillis's and bill birds and dave chappelle's and they would give their inputs and stuff like that and famously louis ck was one of the last ones to like go see it when it was like almost done already and louis ck was like you know what you should drop the ceiling even more you should cut the stage why is the stage so so big cut the stage make it smaller bring the ceilings down and he had to like redo construction in one of the rooms based on that input and again even though it cost him financially but he did so and i have not heard one comic now that it's open have one negative thing to say and on top of that they all are just like praising how perfectly comic friendly it is and how well thought out it is for having like a private bar just for the comics and for the for the hang so they don't have to like walk through the crowd to go on stage, for example, and they have their own place to like chill and balconies to be able to like watch uh, each other perform, but like a dope experience for the audience as well. 
something else that's dope that he does is that he allows the staff to because he still promotes like all the other local comedy clubs and himself goes perform at the other uh local comedy clubs that are still there and he allows the staff which are staffs in, in comedy clubs if you don't know they're usually comics themselves or like up and coming comics you know trying to like work for stage time he allows them to like clock out during their shift if they have a set at a at another club in town they'll go do their 10 or 15 minute set and then come back and clock back into work he allows them to do that no issue and from what i've heard from other comics that also have have podcasts is that the amount that he's paying the acts is like unheard of and like blows every other comedy club out of the water because again it doesn't have that you know need to turn a profit motive that most all businesses have but he apparently has asked those comics to you know not say how much it is that, that he's paying folks but i'm sure somebody somewhere will say something eventually and that information will leak and just to give you an idea of like ticket sales virtually impossible to get a ticket i went on their site which i'll link to in the episode notes if you guys want to check it out at comedymothership.com and you can go months out and everything is sold out and just to give you an idea of the resales tickets for opening week were going for like 40 dollars they sold out within minutes and they were being resold online for $500 a piece. And it's still packed seven days a week, I believe it is. It's fucking insane. So Rogan definitely, as Russ would say, put his money where his mouth is and said something. So shout out to Joe Rogan for being a goat that continues to do goat shit. And shout out to the comedy mothership. And that, folks, was episode 234 of the Splunt Today podcast. Thank you so much for rocking out with me. I really appreciate each and every one of you for listening. Please stick around for just one moment so you can listen to a few ways you can help support this podcast if you so choose. Your support means a ton. I really, really appreciate all the support coming my way. It really means a ton. You can go to spuntoday.com forward slash support for all my different affiliate links and ways you can help support the podcast, like purchasing merch, checking out my writing, buying books, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Here are a few of those ways in detail, and I will check each and every one of you out during the next episode. Peace. What's up, folks? Tony here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I enjoy producing it for you. Here are a few quick ways you can help support this show. You can support the Spun Today podcast by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. There you'll find my merch section where you can cop the iconic podcasts versus anybody t-shirt in a wide variety of different colors and all different sizes. Also, if you're into cycling, you can cop the super soft, comfortable, minimalist design Spun Today Bike Club t-shirt. Also available in a bunch of different colors in all different sizes. There are a few other designs of different types of t-shirts. Definitely go there and check it out. Spuntoday.com forward slash support. It's the merch section. We can also get a dope coffee mug. I have coffee mugs with the brand new redesigned Spuntoday logo on one side and the tagline that I end every show with on the other, which is start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. The mug is available in both black and white because we don't discriminate here at the Spuntoday podcast. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support and check out the merch section. You can support the Spun Today podcast by checking out my writing. You can go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and check out some of my free association writing, 
which is intended to be some cathartic free writing, but oftentimes doubles down as motivation for myself and others. At sponsorday.com forward slash short stories, you can read a bunch of the different short stories that I've written and actually listen to the audiobook versions of those short stories there as well. Another way you can help support my writing is by going to spuntoday.com forward slash books and checking out what I have in store for sale. Digital copies are available in all formats, whether it be Kindle, iBooks, or a different type of e-reader. You can also purchase paperback copies if that's your preferred reading method. Currently available, I have my nonfiction, Make Way For You, which is a collection of freely written thoughts that were curated and put together as tips for getting out of your own way. Also available is my debut time travel novel titled Fractal. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books to show your support. Support the Spun Today podcast by following me on social at Spun Today on Twitter, at Spun Today on Instagram. Please also check out and like my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Spun Today and subscribe to my YouTube page as well. On my YouTube page, not only will you get these full length episodes, but you'll also get to check out some chopped up clips and bonus content. To get to my YouTube page, just search Spun Today on YouTube or click on any of the YouTube icons on the footer of my website. Also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever it is that you're listening. It really does help. The Spun Today newsletter is available to each and every one of my listeners absolutely for free. All you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. What I'm going to do is brighten up everybody's least favorite day of the week by delivering five curated things within my weekly newsletter every Monday at noon. You're going to receive a photo of the week, a recommended podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts from an array of varied interests. I cherry pick the very best ones so that you can check them out. I also share a video of the week, which can be anything from a tasty recipe to a dope rap battle to an enlightening TED talk. I also share a quote of the week. And finally, for my fellow wordsmiths out there, a word of the week so that you can step up your vocab. Again, this curated list is yours absolutely free by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and dropping in your email address and you can unsubscribe at any time. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address and you'll get the very next one. If you want to help support the Spun Today podcast financially, you can do so by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. Here you'll find a few different ways that you can do so. You can shop on Amazon, but first go to my website, spuntoday.com forward slash support. Click on the Amazon banner, which will take you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It will not cost you anything extra, but I will get credit for driving traffic to their website. Another cool way that you can help support this show is through Patreon, where you can set up reoccurring donations to my podcast, whether it be $1 per show, $2 per show, etc. And depending on how much you choose to pledge, you will receive some Patreon perks in return. Things like free writing pieces, free bookmarks, free digital copies of my books, etc. Again, my Patreon link can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. You can also set up similar reoccurring payments via my Ko-fi page. And if you want to send a one-time happiness bomb donation, if you will, you can do so via my PayPal link. Again, all of which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. 
If you're a fellow creative, a cool way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast and actually be part of the podcast is by filling out my five-question questionnaire located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Here you'll find the five open questions related to your craft, your art, what inspires you to create, what type of unrelated hobbies you're into, and what motivates you to get your work done. You can choose to remain anonymous or plug your website and your work. And once you submit your questionnaire, I read your responses on a future episode of the Spun Today podcast. It's completely free at no cost to you. And what I like to say about it is that if your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else, why not share that? SpunToday.com forward slash questionnaire. And as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. I love you, Aiden. I love you, Daddy. I love you, Grayson. I love you, Daddy.